Thank you very much. In 2009, former speechwriter for President George W. Bush, Matt Latimer, wrote a piece in the Washington Post urging Barack Obama to eliminate his own profession, your profession. Mr. President, he wrote, fire the speechwriters. It might be the only way to save the presidency. Latimer argued that the age of internet and cable news has opened the world to an onslaught of ideas, opinions, and information that is stripping away the grandeur and power of the highest office in the country. Speechwriters, he claimed, have become enablers, manning an assembly line of recycled bullet points so presidents can serve as the nation's pep talk givers instant reactors, and TV friends. Is that who you are? Assembly line workers producing recycled bullet points? I don't think so. On the contrary, I have the utmost respect for the work you do, and I am very happy indeed to be here today that Brian has invited me to talk. To be honest, when I first got to know Brian, I secretly hoped that he would invite me to this conference. He did, and I am truly thankful and honored to be here, Brian. As a researcher of rhetoric and a teacher of rhetoric, I strive to make people better at understanding communication and more adept at communicating persuasively. I believe that I and you have an obligation to do so. I am not a speechwriter, but I have done speechwriting. I have coached CEOs politicians, professors, organize speech writing courses for departments and parties. So I have a sense of the challenge that you all face. And like you, I believe that speech writing and speech making have a rhetorical power that is unequal to any other kind of communication. But still, I also think that Latimer may have a point. Many leaders, especially political leaders, probably do too many speeches. There are plenty of reasons not to spend time on speech making. Many CEOs tell me they do not want to do a speech, they just want to get the job done. It's much easier, they think, to distribute information online, do a short video, send an email, or participate in an interview. If we are to save speech making, and our jobs, your jobs, we should think more about why people do speeches at all and why people listen to them. What separates speeches from other forms of communication? What is the unique selling point of a speech? What role should speech making have in the age of the internet? Now we should start by discarding the notion that the time of speech making is over. It's not. Since the British journalist and member of the European Parliament, Daniel Hannan, when he woke up on the 25th of March 2009, his phone was clogged with texts, his email inbox with messages, because the day before, he had delivered a talk, a three-minute speech in the European Parliament calling Gordon Brown the devalued prime minister of a devalued government. Now, a YouTube clip of his short remarks had attracted more than 36,000 hits. 
It was the most watched video in Britain that day. And today, more than three million people have watched his speech. Now, Hannon is not the only speaker to experience his speech go viral. Who can forget the eloquent attack that Australia's Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, launched on um, his, her opponent, Tony Abbott, accusing him for double standards, sexism, and misogyny. Today, more than 2.5 million people have watched this speech. So new media is not a threat to speech making, it's a possibility. New forms of communication will never displace a good speech. Think about Barack Obama's presidential campaigns, which are probably the most advanced and technological campaigns ever carried out. The use of social media, big data, IT technology is unequal to any other campaign in history. There's no doubt the new technology helped him become president. But without the oldest technology in the history of communication, speech making, he would never have become president in the first place. And think about the Arab Spring or Occupy Wall Street. These events, many argue, could not have happened without social media as a tool for disseminating information and organizing action. <coughs> now, it's true that social media are excellent in creating and gathering a crowd. But what could we do when we have a crowd? What did the thousands of people gathered in Sukkoti Park in New York do? What did the massive crowd in Tahir Square in Cairo do? They looked for a speaker. Every crowd needs a speaker because that is how we create unity and gain purpose and direction. We do it the way human beings have done for centuries. We give speeches. So speeches still have an important place in our time. And we should all be aware why this is the case. Why do people listen to speeches? What is it that speeches do better than social media interviews or meetings. The first and foremost thing to remember is that even though you write speeches and many people read speeches, a speech is not a text. A speech is an event. It is a physical meeting where one person has undisputed access and influence to people's attention. Being in the same place not only makes it possible for the speaker to influence the audience, it also makes it possible for the, for the audience to influence each other. In a sense, we could say, mass media has put an end to mass communication. Listeners and viewers of broadcasting or online communication, they're not a mass. They're not part of a group or a crowd. Generally, they sit at home, a few people often rather inattentive. But with a speech, we can make everybody in a crowd react in the same way, at the same time, we can unite them in community. And no other form of communication can create community and unity the way a speech can. Whereas the media audience are normally at home or at work, scattered in different parts of the company, the city, even the country. 
the speaker's audience is physically present in front of him. And just being in the same place, the audience is united as an established we. A leader can send out a report, an email, any kind of text, but it does not allow him to look the audience in the eyes. Of course, a leader can make a video, he can look in the camera and address the audience as we. But it is very hard to make an audience truly feel as a we, as a community, when you are physically separated from them, and perhaps more important, when they are physically separated from each other. Leadership is bringing people together, emotionally, mentally, and yes, physically in the same place. Think of us here and now. Even though I work in academia, and you're all speechwriters, even though we are different, you cannot but accept it when I say us or we, simply because we are actually here together in the same room. We are, per definition, a group. And we're all here because we want to feel that we are part of a group. We're here because we want to experience being part of a community. Now, some of you might think, well, friends, I'm here to learn more about speech writing. I'm here to get new ideas and new information. Are you sure about that? Well, if you do a cost-benefit analysis of the situation, the statement doesn't really make sense, does it? If all we wanted was ideas and information, it would be easier for everyone just to send their ideas on email, put them online, or we could watch short videos of each other's talks. But we don't. Instead, we pay lots of money to attend, we kiss our families goodbye, we get on taxis and trains and buses, in the airports we take our belts off and our shoes off, <laughs> and we discover we have socks in different colors. <laughs> Why do we bother with the hassle? Why do we use money to travel so far? We do this because we want to be part of a group. We want to experience and feel and, yes, learn something together as a community. We want to see the speaker in the flesh. We want to see him see us. And we want to see each other see him. No other form of communication does this as well as speech making. No other form of communication can more effectively create communities and make the community see the world as you do. Now, as you all know, often the best way to create a community is to, is to tell or to create the story of the group. This is what Barack Obama does so well. <coughs> His fabulous speech to the Democratic Convention in 2004 weaved his own life story into the fabrics of the United States history. Do you remember? There he was, the black man with the odd name on the enormous stage in Boston, transmitted to millions of television screens. Tonight is a particular honor for me, he said. Because let's face it, my presence on this stage 
is pretty unlikely. My father was a foreign student born and raised in a small village of Kenya. He grew up herding goats, went to school in a tin roof shack. His father, my grandfather, was a cook, a domestic servant. The story of generations of hard work and perseverance that helped bring Barack Obama in front of this huge audience is not just the story of Barack Obama. It is also the story about the US and the American dream. We use stories because they turn our messages into something vivid and present. The specific, the vivid, that which has presence engages the audience. It makes them involved, it sticks in their memory. We remember stories, not bullet points. So stories are good, but we should take care because stories run the risk of being just stories. The audience may enjoy the story, but they're not necessarily moved in the direction you want them to be moved. A research study in the US, for instance, made two versions, about an, versions of a new segment about unemployment. One group of viewers was shown a vivid story about the difficulty and distress of an unemployed individual living in the suburbs of Chicago. Another group was presented with the BU, and another group was presented with national facts and statistics about increasing unemployment. Now, which group do you think was more likely to be persuaded that unemployment was a problem? The group who got the story in flesh and blood? Or the group who was presented with numbers and facts? Think about it. Here's what the researchers concluded. Contrary to much conventional wisdom, news stories that direct viewers' attention to the flesh and blood victims of national problems prove to be no more persuasive than news stories that cover national problems impersonally. Indeed, they tend to be less persuasive. Less persuasive. Hmm. Perhaps, the authors say, vivid presentations are generally less persuasive because they are so successful as melodrama. Viewers may be so caught up in one family's trouble that they fail to make the connection to the general national problem. Overwhelmed by the details, they miss the general point. So stories may arrest your attention and entertain you, but they do not necessarily persuade you. So if you all want to do more than entertain, if you want to persuade people, then your story should be an argument. Obama's story was not just an argument, not just a story, it was also an argument. An argument about him and about the United States. If this young man has come so far, then he can go even further. And if a person with his background can make it here, then we can all make it. Conclusion, the American dream is still alive. So arguments are at least as important as stories. 
I don't know if you all think consciously about documentation when you write speeches, but I know for sure that you should be. I'm not talking about documentation in a logical or a philosophical way. What you have to use is rhetorical documentation. You have to provide good reasons. Good reasons come not only as facts, numbers, and statistics. Good reasons come also as stories, images, and examples. If you want to persuade people that unemployment is a problem, then you should combine the vivid story of the unemployed person in Chicago with the indisputable facts and statistics, because both are good reasons to do something about the problem. In a sense, the personal and involved argument is even more characteristic of speech making than storytelling is. We get stories everywhere today, in films, in books, television series, games, even in the news. Stories are not special to speech making, but I think that the personal argued case is what we risk losing in our fragmented, twittered, bullet-pointed, soundbite society is the cogent, coherent case, well argued by an individual who really wants to make a difference. Mediated argumentation is not the same as personal argumentation. If you make an argument in, written, in a written text, the argument gets put down in words, and now they're physically separated from you. In a sense, it's not your argument anymore. It's just an argument in the paper, in a newsletter, on Facebook. However, if I, as a speaker, actually stand before you and make, and make an argument, then it's not just an argument. Then it's me, personally, reaching out to you trying to touch you with my ideas and my values, hoping, hoping that you might accept them. In doing so, I put myself on the line much more than when I just tell a story. When I make a claim, I oblige myself to back it up. I invest myself in the course and leave the fate of my course in your hands. Doing that, is taking a risk. Taking a risk in front of other people is showing character and respect for the listeners. <coughs> you may be proved wrong, but you do it anyway, because you believe in the course and you trust the audience. This was what Neil Kinnock did in his famous speech in, to the Labour Party conference in Bournemouth 1985 when he argued that you can't play politics with people's jobs. This was what Kennedy did with Ich bin ein Berliner, what Martin Luther King did with I Have a Dream, what Margaret Thatcher did with the Bruce speech, and what Barack Obama did with a more perfect union. And this is what you should do when you write speeches. Create communities, tell stories, but first and foremost, you should provide your speaker with good, persuading argument for his course. 
because helping him to find good reasons is the best way to help him make a difference. This is what good speechwriters have done since antiquity. So my friends, to end, roll out the parchment, grab the stylus, and write down the good reasons. Thank you.